inspiration, I ran the fashion school in London and Brighton. The children from as young as six up to 18. Um, we are doing children's podcasts. They're absolutely free for any child who wants to find out more about the fashion industry. So we have um, a selection of different experts talking to you. And today we are going to be talking to Sarah Moa, MBE. So I'll kind of explain to you for a sort of, you know, young teenagers, just exactly who Sarah Moa is. So Sarah is, um, well, she's the ambassador for emerging British talent. Um, she's also uh, a trustee on the British Fashion Council, which maybe you want to look up. And she is a trustee as part of their Fashion Education Foundation. On top of that, she is an excellent critic and an excellent journalist. And if you look her up, you'll find out lots. I'm very keen that you all use this to go and research further. So please do. Uh, she's a wonderful woman, absolutely supports the fashion school. She has helped me in so many immeasurable ways. So today she's going to be answering your questions set by you. Thank you. Well, um, my name's Sarah Moa and I'm, um, uh, I've got several different roles in fashion. One is that I'm the chief critic for Vogue Runway, which is the um, American Vogue online um, um, review section. Um, so we review all the shows um, and collections which are shown worldwide, really. Um, and I've been doing that for, for 20 years. Um, but I also, I'm also an advocate for um, uh, students and young designers. Um, um, very, very interested in education and I get out to schools and I get out to universities and um, and also I represent um, emerging talent for the British Fashion Council. So um, how did I get there? <laughs> I got there because when I was a child, um, uh, my mother was an art teacher and uh, she took us to galleries and to museums and I was always drawing and um, not very good at making things at all. My mother sewed, my granny, my granny taught me to to crochet and knit. Um, but I was just because completely actually fascinated by the way things looked and why, um, oh yes, this is something I did. At, um, whenever I had a history lesson um, and was you know, sent home to, to, to do a history project, which I'm sure everybody um, still does, I would always illustrate it. So, um, <laughs> so I would have to imagine in history, you know what um, Queen Elizabeth was uh, wore. Yeah. But only not only that, but everybody who was at the court wore uh, what what they wore and what um, um, uh, what children wore and what peasants wore and what people what farmers wore, and um, and that would apply the whole time. So it's kind of illustrating and and learning. I think when you're a child, you, you learn things without knowing you're learning them when you become sort of obsessed and dive into something. Yeah. yeah. 
I know that's such a good point and I hope that there's still the facility within education that allows for children to do that because the curriculum is very strict but I always say to all our students you know um, you know history is wonderful and they kind of look at me blankly but it's quite true and um, yeah and drawing your way through a project is no bad way of, of learning at all yeah yeah, because then it goes in, and I, I, um, I was brought up in Bath, and there's a fantastic museum of uh, costume there. Um, it's now called the Museum of Fashion. So as soon as I was allowed to go on the bus on my own, I would, you know, take my bus fare and go, and go to the museum and sit there and looking look at, a learning just because I loved it. You know, the difference between an Elizabeth Elizabethan farthingale, and um, a 1920s bias cut uh, V&A dress or um you know victorian bustles or what gloves and fans and hats were so um i mean none of the, none of that was to do with school with school education i think that um very often it's the things that you don't necessarily get taught in school the side things which can actually turn out to be your passion in life and can lead to places um so yeah. so yeah i mean it's like that for people who, who are athletes or dancers or um, actors, you know, yeah. it's not necessarily what you actually learn at your school desk. Yeah, exactly. And that's a message for life really, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So you were at school, you were, you were so you were in Bath. Uh, the museum is just fantastic. Yeah. I heard from somebody that it might be closing as a result of, um, you know, everything's going off. And, th and these places are so valuable because everybody, you don't have to live in Bath, you, you know, a lot of places, they have a museum, uh, you know, it can come alive for you. And there are always costume areas or mostly, um, you know, so you can just get a feel of it and connect yourself to fashion, yeah. I think the museum is, um, it's in the, um, it's in the assembly rooms in Bath and the local council is taking it back. And so the museum has to find a new home, um, you oh. know, to spray that is because it's a, it's a major national um, resource. But yes, there's the V&A, the V&A, there's um, Platt Hall um, in Manchester. Um, lots of museums have um, have sections about, about clothing in different in different ways and also you you know you can research online now which you know <laughs> I mean when I was when we were at school I'm sure Caroline all we had were were books and um and but, sometimes less very very poor illustrations yes oh exactly exactly <laughs> <laughs> so so um you're at school you're kind of exposed to bath museum yeah. um, I'm just gonna say museum because I don't know the full name of what yeah. it's called at the moment yeah. And, uh, and then what happened? Um, well, I, I took um, um, English art and uh, history of art at A-level. Yeah. And, um, and then I, um, I actually went to um, art school, did foundation for a, for a year, but I really didn't like it because Actually, I never got to do any fashion. I was never even thinking about doing fashion because when I was at school, um, teachers, there was no visibility that, that fashion would be a career. So, so 
but the more the more sort of you went up the school and if you you know if you were thought of as being somebody clever you had to drop needlework lessons mm -hmm. um you never did what was called domestic science cooking cookery because that you know it was very discriminatory it was like you know if you if uh, sewing was something that you you would do if you were a housewife it was never thought of Exactly. I'm sure you remember that. Yeah, no, I, I remember that. And I, I also think that, uh, you know, there's still issues within schools today. Um, just speaking with a, a teacher at another school, and he said, you know, we have this great art department. We're really open. Um, but we have people teaching textiles, but nobody really understands about fashion. It's not really thought of. And I said, but it's one of our big industries yeah. and, you know it's it's one most oversubscribed courses you can try and get on you know why is this still happening yes i mean the fashion industry in this country is worth 32 billion pounds to the economy yeah at the last count um i mean that does unfortunately take in fast fashion um and everything to do with right down to you know making making hangers and so on and people who work in 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 stores um who obviously been terribly affected by the, the the pandemic so um but nevertheless um uh britain is 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 incredibly important as a generator of um creativity mm. and ideas and um that does come from um our country being much better at teaching art education than many other places. I mean, I was astonished to find out that it's not taught in American schools. Really? Art is taught, not taught in American schools, that it really isn't. <laughs> um, and I don't know um, that in um, in France, for, in, for instance, the baccalaureate uh, includes all, uh, you know, you, you can have, you can cherry pick um, a lot of uh, subjects, but they're all academic subjects. They're all classroom subjects you know book learning uh, subjects so so i mean britain does have a, an amazing tradition of um of creative thinkers and uh, and design of course it's being narrowed um because i you know this government doesn't believe in creativity i mean we saw that from that uh, appalling um, advert with Fatima was uh, the baller ballerina was going to become a cybersecurity person but yet yeah, know it um, I mean that was that 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 advert was very quickly whipped away um, was, was so brilliant it just showed it for the absurdness that it was because you had Boris in a tutu did you see the response oh, it's it great do you see it on the internet everybody it, it really cheers you up yeah. Mm -hmm. so, so then you did your art foundation course, and it wasn't a big fashion. Uh, you know, it it wasn't it wasn't it didn't guide you into fashion really, um, but kept creative thinking alive. Yeah. Um, I actually dropped out of foundation because I wasn't I wasn't happy I wasn't happy there, um, and instead I applied to go to university to study English and history of art at, at Leeds University. Oh, yeah. So. So, so that's where I ended up um, for for three years, which I absolutely loved because getting to understand how to look at a, a painting or a, a piece of art and think um, who made that, why did they make that, what's it made of, 
when was it made? What was going on in the society that that piece was made in? Um, absolutely loved that. And that was, it was, I didn't realize it was kind of a training to, um, to, to write as well. But then in my final year, <laughs> my final year, um, oh, I'd forgotten to say this. When I was 11, um, yeah. I was 10 actually, I was already doing fashion drawings. Now this is absolutely nothing to do with um, nothing to do with school. Um, why was I doing that? I think I was doing it because um, I was very influenced by my granny, who was very stylish, and I had aunts who were very stylish. And I I would look at um, newspaper reports of fashion. Anyway, I started doing all these drawings, and I had um, my my aunt who who was a lot wealthier than my parents swept in one day and saw these drawings, and um, and then on my um, 12th birthday, um, I woke up and I had a subscription to Vogue for a year. <laughs> so, so it was, oh, so that, so I, yeah, so I, I got Vogue for, for, for a whole year, and, and which was an incredible treat. That was, that was the life-changing experience. Just to, just to explain to the children that Vogue in those days, when you were 12 or 13, it was your only... Um, avenue to happening fashion really for a lot of kids because mm. you were too young and all the rest and there mm. was no internet there was nothing like that so when Vogue came through the door it was like a ceremony wasn't it and it was just and you and you poured through every page and and had time to breathe and look at every garment because that was it wasn't it yeah, yeah. well I can remember every um every, every shoot from those days anyway so when I got to um, I'd forgotten to say that, you know, when I was at, when I was at school and university, fashion was looked down on really. I mean, all, all girls, of course, were into fashion, but having an interest in fashion was somehow, um, yeah, it was looked down on by, yeah. by parents and school, um, school teachers and not regarded as, you know, anything, just, just as regarded as something frivolous that girls just did when they were silly. Um, anyhow, when I got to university, I hadn't I hadn't been buying Vogue, um, couldn't afford it really for, for many years. Anyway, I was passing the, the university newsstand one day on my way to um, a lecture, and there was a there was a copy of Vogue there, and I I, I picked it up, and inside um, there was a page saying um, announcing the um, uh, Vogue what's it, what's it called Oh yes, the Vogue talent contest. And it's, it's still run, it's a competition for um, journalists and for um, um, critics and um, designers as well. Um, an, annual, um, an annual competition. Anyway, so I just when I went in for it. I went in for it and, um, and on the day, on a day that I was about to the week before I was going back to do my final exams, I had a letter saying that I was invited to the finalist lunch in um, yeah. a Vogue house. <laughs> so I won my career through um, through a competition, not having any 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 contacts, any having any knowledge of um, of the industry, knowing nobody in it. Um, so so that's why I've always been ever since then. 
really really keen on encouraging people to go in, in for competitions yeah, um, everybody says like everybody i interview it's not you know life we think we can plan life but actually it's those opportunities that you make happen yes like, that's true you know nobody was there your mum wasn't there behind you going you need to do this you need to do that it was all it all came from you and that was your passport in fashion the way i don't know already said that but, yeah. um, you know and how vital these things are children you know go for it just go for it don't you know if you you know what's the worst thing that could happen somebody says no you know um just go for it because yes i mean when you've got nothing to lose you you what what what's what is there to be afraid of yeah um yeah completely I mean, I must say, what what happened was that I I didn't win the competition. I was a, I was a runner up, a girl who um, whose whose father was a cabinet minister, um, won the prize. <laughs> and um, um, however, I'm really glad that I didn't win that prize because what happened? Because had I been at that stage going into uh, into Vogue, into um, into a big corp, you know, big company. I would have been, you know, sitting in a, the corner of a cupboard, um, perhaps being sent out to, you know, get coffee and um, and not seeing anything of, of of the way that the whole magazine operated. Instead, I got a job on um, a magazine called Miss London, which was a giveaway magazine, yeah, I remember uh, which was produced in one room. Um, and so, um, so working for a small company, I got to know absolutely what you know every job was. Um, what you know has how photography was done how layout was done um, and printing um, and everything so so it became um, a very much a um, um, god I mean yes a, a school a school for me um, so I always say to 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 young people try you know try to work in a small in a small company um, first and also, you get you get you get to do um, many more jobs as well because people will hand you things to do. Yeah. Um, you'll pick up what um, other, what what what's going on, and um, and if it's uh, if it's a small company, then then help is uh, help is is needed, and you get kind of um, um, yeah, much more opportunity to to maybe stand in for someone or back them up or, or, or whatever. So that, that's part of my advice. Really good advice. And I think <laughs> it's something that we, most people would say is absolutely sound. You know, if you're thinking about building up a CV, you may feel that you're, you're ex having been at work experience at a very prominent designer will influence people. But I think a lot of people in fashion feel that it's the other placement you do, the other one you do which is perhaps with a company without those sorts of resources so you're yeah. more and that's where you learn your experience and skills so you know children don't get too fancy about who you want to have an internship with at all because it's it's nothing it can be just something that is maybe a badge of honor um, for you that's not to say that there aren't some really amazing bigger companies there offering excellent placements and internships. But for you, as just, a, you know, you're doing your A-levels, you're 18, you you know, you've maybe done your foundation course if you've chosen that route. So, yeah, really important. Thank you.
So then what happened after Miss London? Miss London was a big deal, wasn't it? I mean, it was a big deal. Was it one of the first free women's magazines? I, I think it must have been. Well, what was extraordinary was that um, um, a young boy from um, Peru had just um, left there, a photographer called Mario Testino. And, <laughs> and um, there were other fashion editors, Sarah Jane Hoare and uh, yeah. Debbie Mason, who went on to become yeah. major, uh, major, major um, uh, fashion stylists for Elle and uh, for Provoke. So um, yeah, it was, a, it was a starting ground for for um for all of us yeah never thought of it at the time it was just uh you know some way to get um to get um to get a start and to be not paid very much um but to have a lot of freedom and fun doing it as well that was that was an amazing time um after that what happened after that um I went on to a magazine called Honey. I wasn't writing about fashion then full on, but then I started to get interested in fashion. So I started to go, I had, I, had um, I don't know, 10 pages to edit myself. And so I would go out and find designers and, and, visit, um, and vis visit them and start to interview them. And, and then suddenly after that, I mean, this is a miracle. I, I was I was so so lucky. Um, buying the Guardian, there was one day there was an advert for the fashion editor of the Guardian. Oh right! I, for it. I, I applied for it, actually with no with no great um, um, background in having written about fashion. Although of course it was my obsession. By that stage, I knew all about fashion history, and um, of course, course was um, a kind of reading about it and living it really. Um, I got it. I got the, I was uh, 20, 25. I was a fashion editor of the Guardian. Incredible. Mm. <laughs> I know. It's, you know. I think there's a lot to be learned from that time. So you were, because um, Brenda Polan was, had been the editor, is that right? Was yeah, she, she took me on. She yeah, me exactly. On. Exactly. I know. I remember, I remember her, me having, I can't remember exactly what it was about. And, I thought she was going to look like this really glamorous person and she came out and she was great and she just saw it all. Do you know what I mean? She just, yeah, she was really good. Yeah, lovely. Oh, what a job. Fab. Yeah. Yes. I mean, very scary actually, because, um, because, um, well, I mean, massive responsibility and to, to write a column every week. I mean, nothing compares to today where we have to write a column overnight um, or in three hours say it what say um but yeah it was it was that was amazing and insane because I was um you know I was suddenly in the front row and everyone was looking at me like who is this who is this girl <laughs> especially a lot of older people um I'm sure so there was kind of a barrier <laughs> um there were things that I wasn't aware of um I was in my position, it was unusual. It was unusual for somebody young to go there, to be there from nowhere. Um, so, so yes, now it's gone on. It's gone on from there over many years. Amazing, yeah, absolutely fantastic. So, um, I think what we get from your story is that 
A, you made your own opportunities like everybody else we interview. And, you know, you didn't have a special leg up or anything. You just did it by yourself. Yeah. And, you know, that's so vital. Is there anything that you want to share beyond that as part of your story? Well, all I will say is that I've, I've actually wanted to write a book about this, which is um, every time I interviewed um, designers and other people in fashion, I asked them, um, you know, when did you know that you wanted to be in fashion? Mm -hmm. And often, it, always, it comes back to, oh, um, something that something that they were interested in when they were 10 years old. So, so if you look at Jean-Paul Gaultier, mm -hmm. he dressed his teddy. Yeah. <laughs> he dressed his teddy in, um, um, you know, in a, in a corset and a conical bra and, um, and so on. Um, Erdem um, Moralioglu, who who is one of our great um, designers in in London, making very glamorous evening dresses. He has a twin sister, and he used to um, um, take her her Barbie doll and make dresses for this for this doll with his mother helping him. Um, Simone Rocha, um, <laughs> she had a a, a kind of bashed up. Um, a China doll, which she dressed in um, Victorian clothes. I mean, in fact, actually, literally what she designs today. But um, so, so I think, um, oh, and other people have talked to me about how um, Alexander Fury, who's um, a, another fashion journalist, very great fashion journalist, but ha um, talked about how he would, um, he would dress up um, in his mother's, um, wardrobe um, as Diana Ross and then <laughs> burst out, <laughs> burst out and performed to his mother, um, you know, about the age of 10 too. So, yeah. um, so kind of, you know, uh, all these interests can come from, from any, you know, anywhere, um, but very, very, very early, very early on, but people who make um, diary illustrated diaries or you know keep scrapbooks and, and and those sorts of things so so that's what I wanted to say is that everybody who is successful or working now was a child at one point and their creativity comes from being that child that's 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 what I that's what I would say um, and also there are no rules I mean you're inventing when you're when when you're a child and um, I mean some of the most inspiring things I've seen recently are um children's projects of course at um uh, at the fashion school uk um but also things like people um kids making um shoes out of found objects yeah. i was looking at somebody somebody's work um in um, a college in um in the west country and um this kid had made a pair of shoes out of um beach combings out of beach waste been 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 to the beach, collected all this stuff and things found in hedgerows, and made the, made these shoes, which are absolutely beautiful, um, beautiful, incredible, sustainable. I mean, that kind of interest will, you know, will take you to a future as as a sustainable designer. So so that's why I'm always so just completely um, um, fascinated in in what young people are, are doing because your mind's free. Um, you, you, you can start creating and imagining a future um, which may indeed come to pass later on. Yeah. No, in absolutely. great ways. 
Yeah, no, I'm, I'm a big believer in that. Just brings me to the fashion school how during the first lockdown and we set up a project for the children because they were hoping that they would have gone to a workshop at McQueen that did come into fruition and they were just yeah. hopeful, but it was the interim to keep them going. And they, um, we just said, okay, it's called the healer. What's the healer to you? Who, he, she, it, whatever. What mm. is it? doesn't even have to be a human being and there is to be no downloads from your laptop everything is going to be hand rendered and hand drawn just using yeah. what you have and uh, and it was just amazing the things they came out with you know just uh really lovely and i hope that they can take stock later in life as to you know you don't need the flashiest pencil case or anything you know mm -hmm. you can you just go out and have an open mind yeah we're coming on to children's questions now. And the first group is about you. They want to hear a little bit more about you. And um, and some of them, I think we've kind of actually spoken about, but uh, we've got one from Avia, who is 11. And Avia and her mum are just a delight. She comes to us. Were you interested in fashion when you were at school? Yes, I was interested in fashion, but I sort of didn't know it because um, um, the, that sounds like a funny thing to say, but I was observing fashion from a, from a distance from, you know, magazines and, um, and seeing what people wore um, and not necessarily being able to um, uh, wear it myself. So yes, that's right. It's coming back now. Um, when I was young, um, we used to go to what was called jumble sales, um, yeah. called flea markets then, because having no money. Um, and then what would be called repurposing, restyling, customizing um, uh, clothes from the 1940s and, you know, uh, uh, um, Victorian night dresses and all that sort of thing, and um, putting them together in a, in a modern way. So. So yes, I think that yes, I was interested in fashion and and um, and um, was able to 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 get into it with my friends through through jumble sales and um, secondhand clothes shops. So yeah, in fact, I suppose that's what young people do today. It is. Yeah, it, yeah, I know it is. It's great, isn't it? It's it's wonderful, and I I just think that our generation. Um, actually owe it to younger people to tell them you know what it's it, there you don't need everything we made something out of nothing and you can do it too you know I think that's you know we were the last ones of of that generation where you know you wouldn't go into a fast food uh, place because your mum had made <laughs> jam sandwiches and and you know and a, a, a diluted bottle of orange squash that we all shared on you know that sort of thing so I think that you know we we have this kind of I think we we have to pass this on it's okay it's good you know it's not a compromise yes well not being able to buy clothes was 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 upsetting sometimes but actually um very quickly got over it I mean when I when I was young actually having um flashing logos and having um having posh clothes was kind of looked down on yeah. in fact it, very I, you know, my, I was at i was at university during you know punk times yeah 
and um, that was very much do it yourself, and that that was that was cool. I mean, what was completely uncool was having having designer clothes. You remember that? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think also that you were being referenced by high fashion as well. I think it was before it was called streetwear or whatever, but yeah. you know this whole vibrant. Uh, you know, we, why on earth would we go, you know, into here and there? Because we had it ourselves and we were current and we were what fashion was about. And, and that's great. Yeah. And I see that happening again in this generation. Oh, I mean, I, I'm so, so inspired by um, seeing, um, yeah, seeing, seeing, seeing uh, young people um, repurposing and, um, um, you know, buying buying secondhand things, sharing, swapping, um, because it's ethical as well. Now we never even thought about that. That uh, you know what clo clothing did to the, did to the the clothing production did to the planet. Then I mean, it wasn't it wasn't there wasn't any such thing as fashion, fast fashion when I was when we were young. Was there? I mean, Primark only only hit um, hit this country in the um, in the late. No, in the in the two thousands when my when my daughters were were growing up, so um, we were never the idea that you you could buy a dress for the same price as a a sandwich. Yeah, exactly. Unthinkable, unthinkable. Yeah. Um, but um, on the on the other side on the other side of the coin, I wish I wish I'd been able to make my own clothes from scratch. I wish I'd been able to sew. Yeah. Um, uh, my mother and my grandmother had sewing machines, but um, I, I suppose I never had the patience to do it. No. Um, and I think today uh, it's really important to have skills because I mean, there are so many people now who can't even sew on a button. Yeah, for sure. Will throw clothes away because a button drops off. Yeah, no, I know. And just madness and I think we're all guilty ourselves to it I'm not I'm you know I'm not blame free I question myself every day about what I do and um and I'm sure you do too so we're not saying this to children because you know we think we're perfect because we're not we just do what we can yeah so, uh, yeah and then um Libby who's 15 says so what do you hope for fashion sustainability in the future and the environment? And Libby's 15. Well, Libby, um, I hope that um, the, the fashion industry will, will, will step up and um, show its responsibility to you and your generation um, by slowing down, um, by considering um, how much... Um, uh, waste they have, reusing the waste that they have, um, uh, stopping um, greenhouse gas emissions. Um, I, I hope, I hope also that governments, um, that governments uh, will start to um, impose limitations on what the fashion industry can do, because actually, um, if there's a law against um, um, plastic bags, then companies have to follow that and so on. Um, I think, um, yes, I think those, you know, there have to be laws against, um, you know, toxic waste, against um, 
against and also laws against um, uh, people being abused in the um, in the supply chain. And this this is something that that now um, it's 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 impossible not to um, understand that um, that that fashion um, employs people um, in uh, countries far, far away. And we don't see how poorly paid um, those workers are, um, how they're, you know, sometimes there's even modern slavery in the, um, in the supply chain. So when you're buying, when we're buying clothes, um, I, I do hope that, um, that companies will step up to be more responsible um, for, for, for everybody who works, um, who works for them right through to, um, right, right through to even the people who are growing the crops that um, uh, the cotton and the, uh, the wool and the leather and all those, all the, all the, nat, nat, you know, the natural resources that uh, fashion kind of um, feeds on. Every, everything has to be more regulated. Um, and I think that on the much brighter side is I've seen, I see the generation, your generation, Libby, um, um, rising up and being so um, much more conscious and much more questioning about sustainability. And your, your, um, um, your power, which may not feel like power, but collectively, to act as um, um, as kind of citizen consumers and decide what you're going to buy, where you're going to put your money, um, and also what you're going to ask from 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 education, because now I've also seen that um, there's there's a generation of um, of students. It kind of began. I was started to see see it four or five years, four years ago, four or five years ago that um, students are actually demanding from their teachers to be taught about sustainability. Because there are people going into university who, knew, who know more now, know more now than, than some of their teachers. So education, you know, it's, it's kind of flipped that um, uh, young people know what they want to learn and they're frustrated if they, if they, if they don't get it. So I think, uh, you, you know, young people have a transformative power. Yeah. Yeah. On education, which which was never possible before, because teaching was has always been hierarchical mm. from top down. So so I think um, you know fashion has no choice; it has to change. It's an industry, um, and you know we don't have much time to 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 to, to change and make make um, stop the acceleration and start to start to to do good for people and the planet um, as part as as part of a, a remit of being being someone who's kind of operating in fashion. Absolutely. And I, I think I sort of echo with what you're saying. Thank that you, Libby, and anybody else who is listening to this, any child, you have a big say in this. And just remember what you wear is kind of saying a message. So if you are buying a bit of fast fashion, what is it that you're saying that you support, you know, um, bad ethics, that you don't care about the environment? And when you kind of, you know, pop and buy your 
takeaway coffee, think even that, you can make such a difference yourselves. And I think that you'll be a lot more authentic if you really do want to make this difference yourselves and not just transfer it onto another area of the fashion industry. You're the future. You get your act together, darlings, because you know, you're gonna you're gonna make up for this mess. Yeah. Yeah, five years time you'll be you'll be very, very effective and very um um uh, very yeah, very versed in what you, uh, your vision of what 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 should be done collectively. I think that's 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 my hope. Yeah, brilliant. That's amazing. I think that's a, such a great question, Libby, and so well answered, Sarah. Just great. Okay, so now we move on to section B, and this is slightly different. And this is advice that children need from you. Okay, about their careers. So um, not about their careers, but just about fashion industry. Um, and the first one is a quite pertinent one. Do you have to go to uni to be a fashion journalist? Well, I have to say that everybody I know who is a fashion journalist has been to university. Um, but I think that you can start practicing as a fashion journalist before you go to university. I think you, you can actually use your... Um, um, Maybe your Instagram to uh, that's a form of journalism. It can be a form of journalism. You 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 photograph something and then you kind of say what it is that you think about it or like about it. And then and there are so many different forms of journalism related to fashion now. There's invest investigative journalism, which is something that never never existed before, but it's it's, it's existing now because of the internet. You can critique something um, um something that you think is questionable or something that you, you think is interesting you can ask questions you don't have to answer the questions necessarily you can rate so i think you can start practicing as a uh, as a fashion journalist in in lots of different ways before you get to university and I would also say that to be a fashion journalist, you don't have to st study fashion journalism. I mean, I didn't. I studied, you know, history of art and English. Other people have studied um, all sorts of things, but not necessarily fashion journalism. Um, so, yeah. I, th I, th I think that, you know, education, education has huge value i know it's terribly it's terribly expensive now it never was when i was young we had free education in fact we were paid to go to university unbelievably oh god yeah it seems <laughs> now um but i think one of the mistakes that um that parents often make um uh a lot is to put pressure on uh children to think that what you study has to have um, a job outcome. Mm. Because learning in itself is a value, is, is so enormously value, valuable to be able to, to, to form your, your way of thinking. And who knows, it might lead off in, in a completely unexpected um, direction. Um, so for instance, I know lots of people who, who have studied fashion as designers but it really was because they didn't know the whole landscape of what 
fashion is, that there are so many different path pathways within fashion beyond being, you know, a women's wear designer or a men's wear designer, accessory designer, a knitwear designer. You can also be a, you know, a product developer or you could be a costume designer. There's a lot of people going into costume design now. Or if you're doing textiles, you, you, um, you become um, an expert on um, sustainable um, materials and there are lots of jobs there. Yeah. Um, um, so, so yes, I, I, um, I, I worry about, I think, I just worry whether that question, do you need to go to university? Is that, is that, is that, is that something that's coming from um, the expense of it or, or something else? Well, I think a lot of people, sorry to butt in, I think a lot of children live in an environment where they have somebody near them that maybe has got into music by doing it all from their bedroom, that sort of thing. Do you know what I mean? And so maybe that's, and it's quite a leveler. So you don't have to be, go to music class. You don't have to do this. It's oh, just yeah. that person. And if the, I think some of them, and I think this should, I don't know anything about fashion journalism. It's always fascinated me, don't know much about it, but that I think that maybe some of them want an avenue where they can actually just do things themselves with their computer, with their laptop, and um and you know and write things and uh i'm sure i'm speaking out of ignorance and i'm sure it happens but for those people who just aren't going to get to university for one reason or another and, and uh and may don't want to don't want to so yeah. because they live in a different life they don't you know that is not about them that's not about their environment it's about how you know so maybe um, you know, that I'm, I don't know what I'm talking about here, but I just want to kind of like open the avenues, really. To be a fashion stylist, you you don't necessarily have to go to university. Lots of people have um, have um, become major fashion stylists without having any academic education. Mm. Um, but it, it it does it does. Um, okay, so so much has changed because of the in, the internet. So now. There never used to be such, any such thing as a as an influencer, um, and the word the word stylist is sort of uh, that that's a very broad um, yeah that's a very broad 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 term. Um, you need to be somebody you need to try and be somebody's assistant. I think if you want to be a fashion stylist, yeah. um, um, so yes, they're they're kind of non academic. Um, ways of doing things but really uh there's no you know overnight stardom in any in anything no and i was i wouldn't suggest that at all for anybody or anything but maybe i just you know maybe sometimes i think with fashion that we kind of go from we all go from one direction and maybe it just needs to be that you know that there's somebody who hasn't gone to the greatest school hasn't got most sportive parents but they are talented and yeah. you know how we can kind of you know maybe that's something you know for some but some another child children to ask rather than me i shouldn't be asking so um okay so uh this is another really great one, and this is by BB, and they're 12, and that is, I want to be a lawyer in fashion. Does this even exist? BB, if you want to do that, you're going to be, um, you're going to have a, a huge career in front yeah. of you. <laughs> um, because 
every single um, every single time um, anybody in fashion um, wants to be get, gets contract, they have to have a lawyer. Okay, and there um, there are so there's a huge area of um, to do with copyright, um, which is um, you know which has many many lawyers um, uh, attending to. Um, in fact, I just uh, yesterday I was on a webinar with um, um, a top uh, fashion lawyer who was um, um, advising um, a group of young designers, and they were all frantically taking down. Um, notes because um, actually when you um, unfortunately when you leave university when you leave um, a, an arts um, degree as a creative person there's never any tutoring about um, what the law is to do with art fashion music anything copyright um, what kind of contracts you should be you should be um, signing up to um, so yes, Bibi, please do that. <laughs> please do that. You'd be very, very, very needed in the future. Well, that, I think that's great, especially for children maybe who are very academic and they love fashion and they may be at a school not dissimilar to the school that you went to where fashion doesn't have um, a, a relevance within it yeah. as such, or, or um, sorry, I need to reword that, that, that fashion is not pushed forward as a, um, a, a good career. Um, and uh, and so people like you, you know, you can, you can still be in fashion and be really relevant. I mean, I'm not going to say, I shouldn't be saying this, but you'll be a lot more comfortable financially than a lot of people in fashion. And that's, that's for sure. Yeah. And of course, there are fashion accountants. So there are people who have to be specialists in every single area. Um, um, finance people. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's fun and also a, a very serious career. I mean, with with the, with um, companies like um, um, LVMH or uh, Caring, who have um, so many fashion houses underneath them. Yeah, absolutely, There's whole hierarchies of, um, of of people who have who have mass brains and legal brains, <laughs> but nevertheless um, enjoy fashion. So yes. Absolutely. Oh, I think that's really good news for a, a lot of children. Right. Um, and then we have one here and it's I love writing history. Uh, I love writing um, history and film and fashion. Of course, I don't like designing. So can I have a career in fashion? And that is by Anon. Yes. Well, Anon. Um... Um, I feel like that that's a question from my from my um, myself <laughs> when I was when I was 12 13 14 I don't know how old you are but absolutely yes yes um, writing um, um, understanding um, film through the lens of uh, fashion um, and um, going to museums all of that I, I keep notebooks keep keep writing it down keep um keep keep your your research going um there there are there are now many um careers life life has changed as far as um kind of museum work is concerned it used to be it used to be very difficult to um say go and to, to go and work for the vna or um any other 
um, museum institution. But now every single fashion house, which is um, um, uh, realizes that their history is is really important to them. So um, um, companies are reconstituting their archives so that their jobs as arch archivists and curators. Um, um, Alexander McQueen, um, who, who I've been working with um, for, <coughs> for a couple of years um, as a co-curator co with Sarah Bur Burton, um, they've taken on um, two more people in the archive because everything that um, uh, everything has to be preserved. It's part of the living history of the house. Um, it's brought out. It's, it's documented. Um, yes. Yeah, so um, so that I mean, every every single big house now has um, has its own archive, and it's becoming seen as. Um, um, the way of a brand um, talking about its 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 heritage. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so yes, go 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 into that go into that as deeply as you yeah. as you can um, because there's there's definitely a, a lot a lot out there that you can do. There are there are degree courses now in um, a fashion history and theory and curation. Um, I mean, I wish I'd I wish when when I was young that. Um, there had been that um, option. <coughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Fashion is not just about designers at all. No, we had a lovely talk by Pudi, who works as a curator at McQueen. She was talking to children herself, <coughs> because of course they're always immediately glued, so they love hearing stories. And she was just explaining to them in the most, she just explained it so well. Something actually is quite a complex setup. She explained it very simply. And they it just opened up their world, you know. So it would be great if we've got any curators out there who'd like to share their story. Um, that would be really super because I think children can really learn from that. And um, yeah, you know, all about the future is about knowing your history anyway. So um, really important. And then lastly, we've got a really... It's a really important question, um, and this is uh, from a lovely girl who has not given her name on this, but she says, I'm disabled and I'm in a wheelchair, but I dream of fashion. Are there any disabled people in fashion and how do I fit in? Well, um, hi, that's, that's a, a really great, great question. And I, um, I'm happy to say, that um, just recently I've been interviewing um, um, a couple of uh, new, new designers who are working in adaptive wear. Um, so, so it's great looking fashion, which can be worn by um, people who, people of all abilities. Um, this, is, um, this is an area of design that um, they're very aware that they need to have um, uh, practitioners who themselves um, are, are disabled <coughs> because how can you design something for someone else if you don't know what the um, what the requirements are? Um, so so that's that that's one area adaptive where where definitely um, um, you might be able to find one future if you're if you're interested in design. Um, um, in general, though, I think um, you know the law now requires companies to um, 
to um, represent um, everybody in the community from the point of view of diversity and inclusion. Um, and so um, whatever, it, whatever your interests are in, in, um, in, in fashion, including in, in education, um, there should be, uh, you, you should be on an equal level with anybody else who, um, who, who wants to enter fashion. Yeah, yeah. And I see, this, I see it changing. I see it changing now. Because yeah. I think that um, I, oh, in another lifetime, I was an external assessor and I was looking at a degree collection and it's very, it's, it's very typical of a lot of degree collections that I would see when I was um, you know, a senior lecturer. And that was that they wanted to provide clothing for people with disabilities. Yeah. And, and that's really was the wrong way to go about it. You know, um, you know, you are kind of sidelining them off. Which, it's ridiculous. Yeah, we, they, you know, and, and they would always be, um, uh, you know, I'm, I am a bit of a cynic at times, but it would always come from somebody who wants to do good, but didn't actually understand what they were doing. Likewise with uh, people who have Alzheimer's and dementia, this would be done by really well, well-meaning students, but they never really connected to the problem. You know, I think they were quite involved in kind of doing good. So, um, yeah, I just think it really does, you know, why the heck, you know, we, are, we all, if we all want to be glamorous, we all want to be glamorous. You know, why does it have to be? Co-designing, being, being a consultant actually on, um, on in that area. I, I can foresee that that, um, yeah, that's, that's coming. Yeah. Um, Sinead, Sinead Burke is, um, yeah. you know her, she's, yeah. she's written this brilliant book. Um, I mean, she's a major force in- um, Sure. Fashion, and um, she's, she's, uh, she's advising the British Fashion Council now on the diversity and inclusion. And no, she's absolutely wonderful. And just to remind you children that Sarah's bringing up some names here um, that it would be really great if you could look them up, write them down, and Sinead is spelled S-I-N-E-A-D, um, and it's Burke with an E, isn't it? Is it with an E? Yeah, it is. And that is the end of our questions. I think we've gone way over time, so much to discuss, and thank you so much, Sarah, just absolutely um, brilliant. Thank you. Well, it's an absolute pleasure, and I'm, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm hoping to be able to come and see you um, next year yes absolutely absolutely we look forward to it too of course